apologies are in order, guys. Promise this last night. The only reason why it was not there, you all should know me by now, that I would not mislead you and say that I was going to do something and not do it. This had nothing to do with me. This had to do with Dateline and them not uploading this episode. I was in the hot tub last night, as you all know. Got out thinking that it would just be there. Like every other TV station has done and it wasn't there and I had to wait all night. I actually stayed up till almost four in the morning waiting for this freaking episode so I could dissect it. So many people sent me part one, part two, and I couldn't get to the end part. So I didn't feel comfortable in doing an episode without seeing this thing in its entirety. And not only once, twice, three, but four times that I have to watch this because I wanted to get every detail down so sit back get a cocktail get your coffee either it's daytime nighttime nap time i don't care but let's dive into this okay there are so many things i actually got out the whiteboard for this because there are so many things that just stood out to me um number one i have to i have to tell you within the first four to five minutes of watching this Dateline. And I, and listen, with that said, you know, there's a lot of dramatics, okay? There's dramatics in podcasts, there's dramatics in vlogs, there's dramatics in movies, there's dramatics in, in TV. Dateline is a perfect example. There's the music, there's, you know, so many different things that go into entertaining people in this day and age, and which has been going on for how many years? But the preview was tantalizing. It was to pull you in. Okay. And I understand a lot of this dateline, which is only what 41 to 42 minutes long is supposed to pull you in. So they're going to dramatize it a bit, but I'll tell you this within the first four to five minutes, my idea of how I thought Fotis, or I shouldn't say that, but eh, I don't even care anymore because the guy is guilty as sin how this all went down. My my whole view, to say it again, changed within the first four to five minutes because I started to see the aerial shots of Fotis' house and Jen's home. And when I started to see those shots, I started to think to myself, and and, uh, might I add, the Tacoma and her car, and I started to like think about how all of these vehicles started to go back and forth here and there down Wells Road and then down the Merritt and undetected and I'm thinking you know anybody who's going to do this in broad daylight isn't going to do this in a manner where they are running back and forth in the same vehicle so then the photo came out of the Tacoma parked in this like wooded area at I, approximately 7:40 a.m. So that kind of got my brain going and saying like, you know what, the cops are not far off saying he was lying in wait. But what stumped me, and I think stumped so many freaking people in the world after the second arrest, might I add, this Dateline came out before, excuse me, was recorded before the new charges. So. Anything mannerism-wise for Fotis and Norm is kind of bullshit, all right? It always has been, all right? Let's just say that. But is, you know, bullshit tenfold because they don't know there's more charges coming. They, they don't know that whatever they say is going to be completely dissected even more so now because more charges are coming. They didn't know that. So 
in a lot of ways, here we are as a community looking at the arrest warrant for the new charges, which was 43 pages, excuse me, (coughs) and we got so much information from those 43 pages. We were made aware of so many details that allowed us to have this really introspective way of looking into the mind of a murderer, as I like to say. And this is, again, I will preface everything that I'm saying in this episode with this is my theory, these are my thoughts. So if you don't agree with them, you can kiss my ass. (laughs) So moving on. Now, the Tacoma was parked at some point via the warrant um, for the arrest in, the, in a wooded area at about 7.40. Now, Jen rolled in at 8.50. Now, I knew that Dateline wasn't going to be dissecting these specific details. But what I think was really good for me as a podcaster was to be able to have this information beforehand, before this Dateline special, because I knew Dateline would be all about the drama, would be all about... I mean, I'm not going to say things that aren't consistent or are not truthful, but they're, they're about the hot points. They're about the things that are most important. And I also am about that, but I also am very much a detail-oriented person and would not speak on anything unless I knew for a fact something was, let's just say, was in the pot stirring up, okay? So... We had that, the public, and I say we, we had every information from the 43-page warrant already privy to us before this dateline came out. So it was kind of really cool for me to watch this dateline with all this information. Because I know you guys have watched dateline. I have. So many people have. (coughs) Excuse me again. Getting a little cold, guys. And, you know, here we are. And usually it's like this this broad-based view on the story, but we're not in that that way especially those in Connecticut that have the ability to look into this case hold on a second I need a drink take a moment to sip your coffee take a moment to sip your dirty martini whatever you choose now here we are we ha- we've had a few days to simmer on all of this information we're all in shock or we like to pretend we are that Fotis and Michelle were charged with these new charges. Me, I'm sitting back and I'm like, my God, I was about to do an episode and thank God I didn't. And ironically, in my last episode, I said, I'm going to move on unless something new comes on, which it always does. Norm, <laughs> Norm never ceases to amaze me. So here comes the Dateline episode. And, and so I'm watching this with all of this knowledge that we all know for the majority of those listening to me right now. If you don't know that, guys, I will do a little quick summary for you. This 43-page document is all of the detail that Dateline kind of touched upon, but if you're you're watching that Dateline and you didn't read it, you're kind of like, wait, where did this stuff come up? But I think Dateline did a wonderful job, and I just want to say that. A lot of people kind of we're shitting all over it saying, oh, it's something that I don't know already and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? They did a great job. All right. I mean, for 41, 42 minutes with commercials, they had to sum up everything. You know, I do this 
all the time. I mean, and, and half of my really, really, really good podcasts, which I like to say, I think they're all wonderful, but the ones that are really detailed, it's so hard to even get 30 minute segments. So I think Dateline did a wonderful job. All right. Side note, I wish it was Keith Morrison. He's my favorite. Oh my God. The way that guy can tell a story, his voice, his mannerisms. My God, is he amazing? But Murphy did a good job. So back to this. So I'm sitting here with all this knowledge of the 43 page document and all of the details. And I'm like, how is Dateline going to show this story? And most importantly, I was looking for the lies. I was looking for the issues in the story that Fotis was going to tell because again, guys, he didn't know the new charges were coming and nor did Norm Paytas. And I found near the half of, I would say half to the end of Dateline special, the most important because you get to see where these guys are fibbing 110%. You get to see their fake confidence. You get to see where they think that they can just do a play on words and say around this time he was here and this, 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 because they had no idea that the police had as much information like they did. So when you watch it again, and I, I actually am going to push you guys to watch it again if you can, because if you have that knowledge and you watch it again, it's going to be a no-brainer for you to understand that number one, Fotis is guilty, and number two, Norm Paytas, and I'm, I got to say this, I I rarely say this about any attorney because I, I actually commend criminal defense attorneys. I, I love the way their mind works, and I've said this numerous times. This guy should be disbarred. I mean, it's unbelievable how he just blatantly, without a second thought, lied on national television about the guy's timeline, Fotis Dulos' timeline. He lied completely, and I know I'm yelling into my phone, but I couldn't believe it. Second to that, I couldn't believe the fact that they, well, I'm not surprised Dateline zoomed in on his footwear, but like, are you effing kidding me that he's wearing freaking sandals and they're not even Birkenstocks. Like Birkenstocks would be fucking cool. Like I'd be like, all right, this guy's got the long hair. He's got Birkenstocks. He's all about Jesus. But guess what? He's not. All right. We all know that because he's a freaking liar. And when I say lying, I mean, he lied about his alibi, Fotis's alibi. He lied about this guy's alibi so blatantly without any care, laughing and snickering while doing it. I mean, he literally said, guys, and I quote, that Fotis was on his laptop during the day at his house, okay? And that it could be attested for. And then said that he was back around 1.30. The warrant says that Michelle Traconis said that she cannot attest for the fact of where Fotis was. He was not at the house. Okay, number one. I'm already losing my voice. See, we're like 11 minutes in and I'm already getting heated because I can't believe it. I, I, This is the biggest thing that stood out to me and I know I'm jumping from the, 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 the rear end of this dateline, but like, you gotta be kidding me, Norm. My God, the... F- also a side note, the fact that he even appeared in it is shocking to me at this point. That just shows desperation. I mean, for Fotis to appear in it, for Norm to appear in it, desperate. 
I mean, desperate. There's a few things and theories that I, I have on why they did this, that they want to try to get a jury that's not in Connecticut, even though that would again go against what Norm said at the first arraignment. All right, so I don't know if you guys remember the first arraignment. He's like, we're ready to go. I'm holding my folder to my chest. This is Norm again. And we're ready to go to trial tomorrow. We're ready to go to trial. Excuse me. He, I don't even think he said tomorrow. I think he said today. We're ready to go to trial today. Well, his tune has changed, as many of you know. And you can watch in the news, his tune has changed. He's gotten silent. There's been controversies about him and how he's obtained evidence. And this, again, shows that this guy is a lying buffoon, okay? And now we're going to get into his footwear because I just have to. And I, I mean, I'm comical. I mean, just by characteristic in my, my life. So this guy's wearing, I don't even know if they're Birkenstocks. I've never seen a Birkenstock <laughs> that looked like this with a backstrap in my life. But what I love about Dateline is that they zoomed out and zoomed in on those freaking sandals. What guy wears sandals with a freaking suit a guy with a long ponytail that hasn't been washed in, what are we, five months in? Yeah. Norm, come on, man. I would respect you more. I wouldn't care if you wore freaking sandals in your sleep. But the fact that you're lying, you're blatantly lying for this guy. Come on, man. I think it's great that these charges came out before the new charges because only those who read the 43-page document would, would catch this. I mean, I, I I was just dumbfounded when he said 1.30. All right, 1.30, and I'm like, wait a minute. He had a quick lunch at 12-something. All right, we've got surveillance showing him at what time. I mean, this guy doesn't know his head from his ass four months in. So that was the biggest red flag for me. I, I was like, this is great for the prosecution. This is great for the captain for New Canaan Police Department, who I, Captain K, happens to be Polish descent. Shout out to him. He's a great guy. I think he's very knowledgeable. I think he was extremely composed in the fact that it was very aware to me that he has more information uh, he even said it. He stated the fact that the public does not know everything and the pieces are falling together nicely. It was beautifully said, very, you know, quick and to the point. And to me, as someone that does podcasting, that does these types of broadcasting, so to speak, it is so obvious that the police have so much more to talk about. But they are saving those cards close to their chest for trial. And when they do that, that means that they have, they have good information. They have good intel. So I'm not concerned about FOTUS getting completely burned at the stake here um, at all. What I found really interesting about this dateline was uh, the fact that they brought in so many of Jen's friends. Um, I, I mean, I can understand the emotional aspect. I personally enjoyed it. I think that a lot of people would have wanted more facts, but again, I'm not surprised due to the fact that they weren't getting that from the police, so they kind of went with the angle of the emotional aspect and bringing her friends in. Um, I think that her friends that spoke I were just extremely brave. I can't imagine how scary it could be for these women who, you know, we, we, we sit back and we're like, we're not connected to FOTUS, right, so to speak. 
and those who are listening, they, they might be. And I've spoken to people that are connected to him in some way. And there is a, a fear of this man. So I, which to me, I think is a joke, you know, I, <laughs> I, I want to bring up something that Fotis said and, and he quoted something being laughable and I'll get to that. But Fotis to me is laughable. He doesn't scare me and I'm the type of woman that isn't passive. So he doesn't. It's in my nature not to be scared by a man that tries to be a bully. But I can see in Jen's friends, um, specifically in one, which I won't name, and there's nothing wrong with this characteristic of her, but she's definitely more soft-spoken. And I could see that she was in fear of saying certain things. And I'm not putting her down for that, but I think that that said a lot about the situation and about what Jen went through. I think that Jen was a perfect, I would say, mix of the two friends. Um, because her other friend who was the spokesperson, and I'm trying not to name these, these women just because I, I would prefer not to, but the second friend who is the spokesperson for the family, for the Farber family, she's a tough woman. And I relate more to her in a lot of ways. She was very much composed in trying to show a more demure side of herself uh, I could see in her that she is when she needs to be a, a pit bull. And I think that's why she is in charge of the family as spokesperson in, in, in a lot of ways, so to speak. But I saw in the woman that was more passive, this awareness of maintaining a very quiet, demure personality. And uh, I saw this fear in her. Uh, even even just how she did her makeup, and I, I you know, a lot of people are going to be like, well, what, what are you, why are you talking about her makeup? I, again, I mean, I studied psychology, so I, I'm going to say this. So many women that are fearful will have their hair in their face. They will make sure that they cover their eyes in a lot of different ways. So I had to touch on that. This woman is a wonderful woman. You could tell that by five miles away, but you could see the fear in her. And I do not blame her. If I was so connected to Fotis in a way that she was, you could tell she lives close by. You could tell that Fotis is going to know and watch this and know exactly who's speaking. And she knows that this guy is out free, so to speak, with just a little anklet on. So I don't blame her at all for being worried about this asshole coming after her. And I'm not saying she is. But I could feel it from her. And that's my perspective on it. Um, her body language said that. But what she said, I thought was wonderful. And you could tell she was a incredible friend to Jen. Still to this day. Um, the way she spoke about Jen was beautiful. Um, and I think that she honored her wonderfully. Um, and this woman had the capability of really pushing through a lot of her fear and showing to the world that this man is to be feared because that second friend who is a spokesperson for the Farber family was a tough woman like I said and she was like listen balls to the wall this guy is a piece of shit like and she was saying it without saying it that way and to me I was like you know what it was great to have that yin and yang to have that other woman who was more passive in nature and was more soft-spoken to show 
that side of Jen that was that way. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of you read her blog, but if you did Jen's blog, you got to see that Jen was extremely intelligent. Okay, the way she wrote was beautifully, very intellectual, but at the same time, she was, she was a jokester. She was extremely down to earth and everything that her friends attested to. So I thought that was really great. I think Dateline did a phenomenal job of bringing two strong women, different in their own ways, to light, showing Jen's character. And uh, I thought that was very, very well done. But again, I think that it was done in a way to show that Fotis is still feared, even by those that, in my opinion, are still living. Because I, as many people know and can listen to, know that I, I do, I, uh, I do want to say I believe, I know Jen is dead. Okay, I feel it in my loins. And um, if you don't think that by now, again, I mean, I, I don't know who you've been listening to. And maybe you've been listening to FOTUS podcast. I, I, I don't know. But again, so that was a wonderful way to um, introduce Jen um, to the world. For those who didn't know her, I thought it was very well done. Um, and, and then we kind of moved into you know, everything leading up to the case and the twists and turns and the new charges and the new charges being the fact that Fotis Dulos and Michelle Traconis were then charged with tampering with evidence and found an Avon motel. And, you know, I think that was more dramatics. Okay. They were in a motel because the police were, you know, um, investigating the Farmington house. So I I'll give, the FOTUS team that in the fact that Dateline, you know, did that for dramatics. But, you know, it's true. They found him in a hotel. But, you know, why they were there, that's why. Um, the the if information or issue with Hartford and the trash and all that, I think that was well done. I think that Dateline did a wonderful job on that. I think that they explained... You know, just how hard it was for law enforcement to be there every day. I think that we take for granted, you know, our jobs and what we do for a living, no matter what it is. I mean, these guys had to be, and women, had to be in trash in, like, late spring into summer, okay, smelling this shit. Literally, this shit. I mean, for how many months? I mean, that was just grueling. So... Um, I think they did a really great job on describing that and really and, and pushing that fact. Um, I think it's great that Dateline also got into um, Fotis last. Um, my feelings on that was to kind of allow the public to get their own perspective on Fotis after they got all of Dateline's information and, and after Dateline kind of created this picture for you and then you could then listen to the main suspect in this case, which it's not really said in, in the episode, but you can kind of get that information by the fact that Michelle Traconis didn't speak um, and get your own perspective on it. So that's why I don't think that you know, if, if anybody in Fotis's camp says, oh, it was, you know, it was created to make Fotis look bad. I don't I don't think it was in any way. I think that the way that they did it was to give the public a very broad, you know, spectrum of information. And 
then allow us to kind of make our own opinion on what happened. But I, I, I find it the most hilarious, sad, and pitiful that Norm Paytas comes on and is... I hate to even use the word gregarious because that's what the psychologist um, characterized one of the characteristics of many of Fotis Dulos. But that's exactly how Norm Paytas is. And he was, and he was silly and made jokes. And there was one thing that really stood out to me that kind of made me have a shiver up my spine. All right. And, and that was when Murphy, the reporter asked Norm Paytas, why did you take this case? And I'm going to say it again. Why did you take this case, Norm Paytas? And Norm Paytas said, well, he was the most talked about man in town. And I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, you know, every mother, child, husband, wife, priest, I mean, neighbor, um, carpenter knew about him. So of course I took the case. He didn't say that this was a man that was almost bankrupt, was a man who was being, you know, mischarged with a crime that I don't believe a thousand percent he did. No, he didn't say that. He said, basically, he was the most sought after hot topic on the face of the planet at that time. So I'd have to be crazy not to take this case. And I said early on in the beginning of this case, why I believe Leashcast, aka Leash, believes that Norm took this and it was for publicity. And he basically said that to the world. And I found that almost sad. I, I gotta say, and embarrassing for Fotis because, and trust me, I don't really care about Fotis at all, but I'm telling you, if, if I was Fotis Dulos or if I was anyone paying his bills, which I won't even get into that, you know. I'd be like, hold up, we need to have a conference on this guy, Norm Paytas. He clearly answered this in such a selfish way that really showed that he's out for his own interest, not Fotis's, but his own. And what I mean by that is, this is free press. This is the hottest guy on the legal market, so to speak, at the time. And I'm going to jump on this and I don't care if I, again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't care if I get paid or not. I'm going to get paid in one way or another because I'm getting free press and everybody's going to know the name Norm Paytas. And when he said it in the way that he did, which you guys can rewind and re-listen to, I'm not going to say it again. I, I really was shocked and I, I was embarrassed for Fotis. If I was Fotis's team, I would have a conference immediately and I would have completely dissolved or found a way to dissolve myself from any sort of interaction with Norm Paytas at that point. Because this guy should not have responded that way. At this, at this juncture, just knowing that there's a possibility that this guy could have murder charges, no way should he have ever said Basically, yeah, you know, he was like the number one guy to grab. I mean, I'd have to be crazy as a criminal defense lawyer not to grab onto him. Are you kidding? I mean, come on, man. Really, really poor. Really, really poor. And that's my opinion. Um, and it's opinion of many people out there. 
Um, and nobody's really said it yet. It's still early. I know that I'm late on reviewing this dateline, but a lot of people are, are saying this that are connected into the legal world. So um, that really stood out to me, and I was really embarrassed for Fotis's team, but I don't feel bad for him. So that's what you get when you uh, you hang out with, uh, with pigs. You get muddy. So that really stood out to me. Another thing as we move into then... Dateline and reporter Murphy getting into, you know, really leading up into this. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to laugh, but I have to. The gone girl bullshit. Like, are you kidding me? And Norm Paytas is like, I love how Murphy was like, so was it a gone girl theory? And he's like, oh, I, I, I have her, her manuscript. And, and Murphy's like, well, is it gone girl? He's like, no, but it's similar to it. And then they pawn out. <laughs> I say pawn out. I mean, I literally, I've, I've used the word pawn out, but oh God, zoom out. I, to me, he's a pawn in a game of chess. That's why I always say this word. They zoom out onto his shoes and I'm not even going to get into it again. Cause I'll just start laughing. I mean, I, I I'm like, really, you couldn't even put on a penny loafer for this interview. Like this is dateline, man. You know, like, still didn't even use anything to slick back the frizz in his hair. And that's fine, whatever. But sandals? I mean, come on. We're into fall. Yeah. And it's cold. It's cold for September, guys. <laughs> so anyway, so we got to see the infamous Paytas sandals. All right? And, and those bad boys, I can't wait to get another glimpse of. Hopefully, we'll get to see those bad boys as he walks into Stanford Court on Thursday, but I don't know if we will, but I, Leash Cast will be keeping an eye out for that. So, so needless to say, we start to get into then Fotis walking, you know, and, and, and I know, I know the walk, I know how, you know, television works in, in a lot of ways and, and entertainment. Cause I was a little bit involved in it very, very, very small before I got into podcasting. And you know, they basically tell him now walk as if we're not videotaping you from your grass line and look off into your exceptional landscape and pretend. And I don't know why my accent is changing, but you know, basically that's what it is. It's like, Oh, please look off into the sunset of, you know, I don't know why it turns into British, but it does. Um, because it's relaxing, I guess. So, you know, look off into your sunset of your, your incredible 14,000 foot mansion estate. Uh, that Gloria Farber paid for. Dateline doesn't even know that. So he does that, all right? Fotis is looking off into his his landscape, and it's so fake, and I can tell it from a mile away because he's not a model, and I had to take pictures before in that type of way. So you got to fake it. You got to pretend that, you know, you're walking off by yourself. You're just, your hands in your jean pockets and you're walking your landscape. Well, you could tell he was acting, which I thought was hilarious. So he, they do that and they, they introduce Fotis and then Fotis comes in and Murphy, of course, starts in with, with the questions and he wants to get into the hard hitting ones. And Fotis is like, you know, per my, um, my, my, my boyfriend, I mean, my, my legal t- uh, t- uh, Norm Paytas uh, attorney said, I can't talk about this, you know, and I found it interesting that that Fotis was just again, like the only word I can say is Gregorious or humorous and silly. 
I mean, laughing. Okay. And that was just in the beginning, you know, I, and, and okay, I'll give them this. Some people get that way when they're nervous, but I mean, it was just weird. You know, you got Dateline in your house, even forget the fact that people think you're a murderer. Okay. And it's well known. The fact that you're on camera and you're a sociopath, in my opinion, okay, don't you want to look your best? Don't you want to make sure that you are meticulously doing everything right? And I have to say, he was well-spoken under pressure. And I think that is what has allowed him to have the following that he's had that are in his corner for as long as he has I think also his accent, I think, I know a lot of people may disagree with that, but I think that that is a a big indicator of why people are like, oh, you know, and the fact that he's extremely confident and he has this demeanor of this like jolly, you know, confident, gregarious type of mannerism constantly in every type of context. So, you know, here he is doing that silly smile, whatever, and it starts to get more in depth. And this is where I personally start to dissect it because this guy can only do this bullshit with me for so long. Murphy starts to get into some more hard hitting questions that Fotis tries to deflect in his own way, which he says, you know, blah, 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 my attorney, per my attorney, per my attorney. But every single time he says that he's smiling. And I find it interesting that Not only does he mention Jen, but he mentions Jen in the past tense. She was a a good mother. She was this. And you know what? He never really pushed and said anything more about how wonderful Jen was. Now, if you're speaking past tense about your wife that you've had 13 years of marriage with, wouldn't you go a little bit more? Even if you know she's out there, even if you think, and this is, again, in Fotis's mind and from what he has said and his attorneys, that it's the gone girl theory. Wouldn't you want to butter her up to bring her home? Wouldn't you want to say, Jen, the kids miss you? I can only imagine how much they miss you. That your incredible mother, who's 85 years old, may need some help with the kids? Jen, you've been there 90% of the time. You know this. I know this. And the family courts know this. Maybe it's time for you to come home. No, he didn't push that. He didn't say anything about that. All he said was, Jen should come back to fix this mess for me. Okay. Again, making it about him. And another huge indicator of him being the selfish piece of shit that he is, is that he then gets into the fact that he wants to start talking about how I'm not going to lie, which I, I mean, I was like, okay, everybody stop what they're doing. He's not going to lie right now because everything else was truthful, right? I'm joking when I say this guys, excuse me. I'm sorry. I need, I need to, I need a sip of the, the cocktail. Excuse me a minute, guys. All right. So Fotis, before I lose this, this rhythm, this, this propelling motion that I'm on with this train of thought, Fotis gets into, I'm not going to lie to you, he says to Murphy, the reporter on Dateline. I'm not going to lie to you, Murphy. You know, I, I had a great life. I was enamored by Michelle. 
I, I have to laugh, guys, because I'm sitting here and I had to watch it four times. He was enamored by fucking Michelle, but you weren't enamored by your wife. I mean, this guy is trying to deflect from Jen so much. There, there are so many examples of it in this dateline. Again, this is the worst thing he could have possibly done because it just shows his true character because he's showing so hard that he was so all about moving on, so all about Michelle, so about everything but Jen, which is bullshit, guys. He was obsessed, maybe not with Jen the way he was Michelle, he was obsessed with losing Jen. He was obsessed with not losing Jen as a person he, because he gave that up willingly when he had an affair with Miss, you know, what's her face in the Argentinian um, ski resort mountains where she was hanging around movers and shakers. And I quote, so this woman was around not to get off on a tangent, but this woman was around these types of people that knew and I don't want to say it. I don't know how to say this. I mean, she knew people that had a lot of power. Let me put it that way. So, and I'm going to, I'll get back into that in a little bit. So you've got Fotis talking about how enamored he was of Michelle. And I don't want to lie to you guys, but I was moving the fuck on. And I'm paraphrasing clearly. I was moving the fuck on. I had Michelle. I was enamored with her. I just wanted this divorce done so I could move on. Blah, blah, blah. Again, deflecting, deflecting, deflecting from what really happened. I mean, everything he said, basically, you know, if a psych, if anyone with a degree in psychology viewed this, they'd say what he's really saying is I'm trying so desperate, desperately hard. Excuse me, Chubbs. No, I am so desperately trying so desperately hard to show that I did not kill her. So I am going to desperately show you in every pathetic way that I was completely in Farmington making love to Michelle when I was actually killing Jen. That's literally what I heard when he said what he said. And that is my opinion. That is what I've learned by studying psych and I'm sticking to it. And anybody that had a similar background and I'm sure there's people with way more of an extensive background than I have in psych I I know that for a fact we'll say the same you know I'm willing to bet that so that's what that says and so many you know after the fact murder cases come out and so many psychologists will come and say you know this is what they were actually saying when they were saying it um Like Chris Watts, for example, when he was talking about what his wife was saying it was and doing, it was really how he was killing his wife at the time. And that's what, you know, so many people, um, I believe in the FBI even mentioned, which shout out to them. They did an exceptional job. They, They nailed this guy within days. But they even mentioned that after the fact that, you know, so many things that he was actually saying in the beginning before fessing up to the murder of his his pregnant wife and his two daughters what he was saying was actually what happened, but he was saying it as if it was someone else saying it or it was the actions of someone else, but it was actually his actions, if that makes any sense. So they're basically reliving the crime 
just through a another party, so to speak. So that's what I gathered from Fotis from the short period that we got with him in that Dateline um, episode. I thought it was, again, very well done. I wish we had more time with Fotis, but again, it was very obvious from the get-go that he was, you know, he was getting the whip from, you know, Norm's, you know, strap in the back of his sandal from the other room. <laughs> um, you know, where he was like, shut up, you don't talk about this, shut up. And they had to edit it, and you could tell that within a few minutes. Like, it was getting cut and edited. So, you know, he, he Murphy didn't have, the reporter Murphy, he didn't have much to go on with, with Fotis, but I think that they did a really good job. I think that... Um, Another key thing that, you know, came out in this was not only the fact that um, Fotis was talking in the past tense about his wife, but also the fact how he brings up how, you know, I really, you know, she really should come back to clean up this mess for me. I mean, what? What? Don't you think it's a mess for like more than more, more than more than you? And then the, the, the most pivotal moment, guys, I, I mean, this is the one where I, I'm like, rewind three different times, which I got to give mad props to reporter Murphy from Dateline. Okay, again, love Keith Morrison, but Murph, you did a fucking phenomenal job in this question, or statement rather, but you, you actually did it in a way of a question about Gloria Farber and the money that he owed. So he basically, Murphy said to Fotis... Now, what about this money? All right, I'm paraphrasing. What about this money that you owe Gloria? And this was the moment where I was just like, this guy, Fotis, is a complete sick son of a bitch. I mean, I knew that before, but while watching this. And Fotis looks at him and he, and he goes, that's laughable. There is no documentation of it. Okay, number one, that's how you respond. And I'm saying this as a question. Fotis, that's how you respond to that? This is the woman that's 85 years old watching your five kids, okay, while you're not doing shit for them, number one. Number two, <laughs> you don't think for a second that the prosecution is watching this and you're saying it's laughable? What's laughable about the fact that you don't have documentation so, oh wait, so you could get away with it. Is that what you're saying, Fotis? So this is your family. And because they didn't document saying that you owe them this money, you're like, hey, it's free money, baby. That says everything about your character, Fotis. That says everything about you in every regard. It says if there's nothing documented, then I can get away with it. And I mean that in every regard. He smiled again and said that statement, guys. And I want you to really think about that. He said "There's it's laughable because there is no documentation. That's how he feels in regards to Jennifer's disappearance. There is no body. So it's laughable. And that is my opinion. And I stand by it 150%. That's how this guy views this entire case and every matter involving it. It's laughable unless you can document me there doing it, unless you can document me taking the money, unless you could document me getting rid of the body, unless you could document me killing her. It's laughable. 
that's how that dateline stayed with me. I am not shocked by him. I'm not shocked by Fotis in any way. And I knew just like all of these assholes. And when I say assholes, I mean the guys that murdered their wives thinking that they can get away with it. They show their true colors. And everybody's watching this. The prosecution. You know, special, you know, psychology majors that they're going to be pulling in as, as witness experts. I mean... There are so many people watching and they are going to dissect it better than me. I'm, I'm laughable compared to the people that are watching this and dissecting it to then bring up during the case. And uh, I, for one, will tell you there are so many cases uh, where they bring in Dateline and the jury sees it. So, Fotis, this was the biggest mistake of your life, second to killing your wife, Jennifer Dulos. Thank you so much for everybody that listened tonight. I absolutely adore my audience. You guys have been incredible. Your support has been off the chain. Um, if you're new here, please follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also put me in Google and find me anywhere. And if you are a sponsor and you want to email me, or if you're someone that just wants to tell me an incredible story that you would love me to kind of discuss, email me at leashcast at gmail, leashcast at gmail, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks so much for listening. I'd like to add that I specifically did not discuss my theory on how uh, Fotis went about doing his plan, in quotes, uh, because I'd like to get into this a little bit more. Uh, I'd like to watch the episodes a couple more times um, on Dateline and also a couple other interviews by Fotis. And also I'd like to wait and see what transpires for Thursday. So by the end of this week, I'm shooting for Sunday or Monday to have um, a new episode on my theory and how it has dramatically changed um, after this dateline just by the aerial shots and aerial views of the areas in question. And, um, and I'll get more into that on the next episode. Again, I hope you enjoyed this last one and um, I hope that you'll be listening next time. It's giveaway time here at LeashCast, guys. I want to give back to all my loyal listeners. Your support has been incredible in this first few months of podcasting. It's absolutely unbelievable. And I want to do something special. So to enter the giveaway, this is what you need to do. You need to like me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To enter, you need to, under my post that will say giveaway, you need to like and comment under the post that says giveaway on Instagram. When you comment, you need to do this. You need to write, I listened to the giveaway and I shared whichever episode you like, okay? So whichever one you like on LeashCast, share it. Say which one you shared and say how many times you've shared it. And I will be looking for those who have shared the most. And I will announce those winners on Christmas Eve. So we have a little bit of time 
and I hope you guys enjoy LeashCast. I love you guys, and here's to an amazing new year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on board, and I'll be back before you know it.